Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for another day in your presence as we are gathered here. Lord, we pray that you speak to us, that our lives be transformed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Right, even though I'm talking on the, um, the, the topic of fasting, I'll blend it with some teachings so that <laughs> I can keep all of you, your attention here. Right, so I'm reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. The Bible says, moreover, when, when you fast, the Bible says when you fast. The Bible does not say if you fast. It says when you fast. So the writer is assuming that fasting is already part of your life. It's something you already do. So he's saying that when you fast, which means that we are expected to fast. So he says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like a hypocrite with sad, sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in, sec in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, will reward you openly. So from this scripture, we understand that we are supposed to fast. It is part of our life. The Bible says, when you fast. And then the last sentence says that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the Bible also reminds us that there is a reward for fasting. Amen. There is an open reward when you fast in secret. When you fast and nobody sees you, God sees you and he rewards you. Now, when you look at the book of Matthew, when G the book of Matthew, how Matthew presents the ministry of Jesus Christ or the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. After Jesus went into the wilderness, fasted, he met John the Baptist and then he was baptized. Then the Bible says he started his ministry. One of the first sermons that Jesus Christ preached that was recorded in the book of Matthew is the sermon on the mountain when he says, blessed are those who... who, who um, he, he mentioned a couple of things. He says, Blessed are those who, who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who, who are peacemakers. Blessed are those. So he, that it's like one of the greatest sermons that Jesus Christ preached that is recorded in the Bible. After Jesus Christ made all those points. Now, when you start reading from chapter 6 and chapter 7, Jesus Christ begins to set things in order. He begins to instruct people on the do's and the don'ts of the kingdom that he's establishing. And so when you read Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, it gives you a mindset of what Jesus Christ brought into this world, or what he, um, what he came to teach in this world. Now, people, a lot of people have said that we are in a new dispensation. We are in the dispensation of grace. And so there are no requirements for us. And there are no things that we are supposed to do. Everything has been done for us. And so we just have to live and enjoy. But I'm going to present to you a few things that Jesus Christ said when he was doing a comparison of the old dispensation and the new dispensation. First of all, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophet. I did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. So Jesus Christ said that he came to fulfill the law and the prophet. And he says that, Assuredly, for I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle by no means will pass from the law till it's fulfilled. So Jesus Christ, first of all, gave us the indication that he did not come to destroy the law, but he came 
to fulfill the law. The next thing that I want us to look at is when Jesus Christ did a comparison between the Old and the New Testament. He says, for you have heard that it is said to those of old, that is the Old Covenant, the, New, the Old Testament, you shall not murder, you shall not, but for whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the, the cancer. But whoever says you are a fool shall be in danger of hell. So Jesus is doing a comparison in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The new dispensation, the dispensation of grace of him. He himself is the cons uh, custodian of that dispensation. He says, it has been said to the people in the Old Testament that you shall not commit murder. But I'm telling you right now that whoever says to his brother, whoever hates his brother without a cause, gets angry with his brother without a cause, is in danger of the judgment. So even in the old dispensation, they were, they were told not to commit murder. But in this dispensation, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, you stand in danger of judgment. And then he did another comparison. He says, furthermore, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31, I'm just taking some few verses to make a point. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 to 32. Furthermore, it has been said in the old covenant, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give him a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except social uh, sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery and then he moves again that's another comparison he says you have heard that it is said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but I, I tell you that you do not resist an evil person whoever slaps you on the right cheek turn the other to him also now looking at the comparison that Jesus Christ is making you can see that the new dispensation requires more of you than the old dispensation. And so if you are thinking that grace, if somebody is saying that grace has set us free and so there is nothing for us to do, but the expectation based on what Jesus Christ is teaching us, the expectation of grace from us is higher than the expectations of the law. Amen. The things that we are supposed to do because of grace is higher. In the, in the Old Testament, they are told not to commit murder. In the New Testament, they, the Bible does not just say do not commit murder, but he says do not hate another person. Do not get angry with another person. In the New Testament, they were told an eye for an eye. But Jesus is saying that in the Old Testament, when somebody slaps you, the New Testament, they were told to revenge when, when somebody hurts them. In the New Testament, when somebody hurts you, you are supposed to turn the other. So Jesus was just illustrating that that this new dispensation, the requirement is far higher than the requirement of the Old Testament. And so let's now say that because of grace, we are not supposed to do anything. Jesus Christ once said to his followers that until your righteousness exceeds those of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So one, one thing that I want, the point I want to establish by, by, um, by reading these verses is that in the New Testament, in the dispensation of grace, the standard of God has not been lowered. Grace is not a license to live a loose life and do anything you want. Amen. But grace gives you the empowerment to do the things that God expects of you. Amen. Our dispensation, the difference between us and the Old Testament is that we are empowered to do things that pleases God. 
But it's not that we have been set free from God's standards. God does not change. His standards remain the same. But in our dispensation, he has empowered us to live a life that pleases him. Amen. The next thing he does, the next thing Jesus Christ uh, mentions is, is charity. He says that, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do your charita charitable deeds, do not sound a trumpet before you as a hypocrite, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the street, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And then Jesus moves on to teach the people about prayer. He sets the model of prayer. So he says again in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. He says that, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to, stand, to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen. Their motive is that they want people to see them praying. And so they stand on the street. That is their purpose. That is the reason why they are standing on the street. They want men to see that they are praying. So that men will say, these guys are prayerful. The Bible says, do not be like them. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in, in the secret place. And your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And so the Bible says again here that there is a reward for praying when we pray in the secret. And after Jesus Christ established after this, when he spoke about this, the next thing he said or the next thing he, he did was to teach them how to pray. He says, after this manner, therefore pray. So Jesus established a manner. He taught them how to pray and he taught them the Lord's prayer. He says, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So he taught them the Lord's prayer. He gave them a model to pray. And so it is when you, when you go home, take time to read Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. You see Jesus Christ establishing the expectations of the new kingdom that he has come to establish. And the next thing after he spoke about prayer is the scripture that I, wrote, I read for our introduction. He says, moreover, when you fast. And so Jesus expects his disciples to fast. He says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrite. And then he says again that there is a reward for us when we fast. Amen. Amen. And so fasting should be part of our lifestyle. Fasting should be one of the disciplines that we have as believers. It should be part of our lives. There should be time that we set aside to fast. When we are fasting, what we are doing is that we are not, only, we are not on a hunger strike. We are not starving ourselves. But we are setting up time to seek the face of God. Amen. Amen. And so when we take out our breakfast time, our lunch time, what, what happens is that we have created time in our shadow. The time that we are supposed to take breakfast, we use that time to pray. We use that time to read the Bible. That is how our fasting becomes effective. When the time that we get as a result of not eating, we set that time apart to seek the face of God. The purpose of fasting is to, is to seek the face of God.
So fasting is not just fasting is just it's, it's not just starving, it's not just getting hungry, but it is setting but it's setting aside time to seek the face of God. And so there are different types of fasting, there are different categories of fasting that we see in the Bible. The first category of fasting that we see in the Bible is an individual fast. So sometimes in our lives, sometimes we, we, in, our, in our shadow, in, in our days, in our months, in our years, there are times that we need to set aside time and say that this time I am fasting because I am seeking the face of God. It does not have to be only times when we are in need or time, times that we need something from God. Jesus Christ says that when you fast, which means that it has to be part of our life. It has to be part of the things that we do as believers. It has to be part of our disciplines as Christians. Grace does not replace fasting. But grace empowers you to fast. And that's why he has given you the Holy Spirit. So there are individual fasts that sometimes we set ourselves aside. That we want to fast and wait upon the Lord. And seek the face of God and renew ourselves in the spirit and we can see an example of that fasting from 2nd Corinthians 4 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 verse 4 to 5 Paul says but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God so Paul is saying you know that in 2nd Corinthians in 1st and 2nd Corinthians the ministry of Paul was was brought into great um, disrepute people were saying that he wasn't an apostle some of the people were saying he wasn't called. Some of the people were, were, saying that, were saying that he was just interested in cheating the people and taking advantage of people. And so in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul mounts a defense for his ministry. He mounts a defense for his calling. And so when you read the chapters, you see that at a certain point, Paul is defending his calling. And one of the places that he defends his calling is 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, but in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. Now, Paul is going to explain. You see that uh, there are two dots there saying he's, he's going to demonstrate how he commends himself as a minister of God. He says in much patience. So Paul is saying that I commend myself as a minister of God by demonstrating much patience in tribulation. He says that even though he's going through tribulation, he demonstrates himself, he commends himself as a minister of God by going through those tribulations. He says in needs, in distress, in stripes, in imprisonment, in turmoil, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. And so one of the ways that Paul commended himself as a minister of the gospel and as a minister of God was in fastings. And so Paul fasted. Paul fasted. He says by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left hand, by honor, by this honor, by evil report, by good report, as deceivers, yet true, as unknown, yet known. And then he, he moves on to say that as dying, yet as dying, and behold, we live. As chastened, yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. Having, 
as having nothing, yes, yet possessing all things. And so the point I want to make from here is Paul is saying that one, he, the first point he said, but we commend ourselves, we present ourselves as ministers of God in these things that he was about to mention. And one of the things that he mentioned was in fastings. And so one of the way that Paul commended himself as a minister unto God is through fastings. And you might say that, oh, maybe Paul was just hungry. He didn't have food. And that's why he's saying that he commended himself as a minister of the gospel through fasting. And then again, he, he comes again in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And then he says, are they ministers? Again, Paul is mounting a defense for his ministry. He says, are they ministers? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure, in prison, more frequently in death. And Paul is saying, okay, these are my credentials. If they are saying that they are ministers of the gospel, these are my credentials to show that I'm also a minister. Today, our credentials as ministers is the number of people we have in our church, the number of cars we drive. And those things that do not really matter. Do not really matter in eternity. But Paul is saying that, okay, are these guys saying that they are ministers? Okay, I am demonstrating the fact that I'm a minister. This is my credentials. This is the badge that I wear, the badge of honor that I wear. I speak like a fool because he was about to talk about the things that he does as a minister. He's saying that I speak like a fool in labors more abundant, in stripes. He, Paul was king so many times. In prison, Paul was in prison frequently, so many times. And the reason, not that people, others will not go through all these things that Paul is mentioning. Unbelievers can go through these things. But Paul is saying that I'm going through all these things as a free choice that I have selected. And I'm going through all these things because of my association with Jesus Christ. Because of the fact that I have decided that I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. That is why I'm going through all these things. And so somebody can be imprisoned for something that he has done wrong. Paul did nothing wrong. All he did wrong was that he was preaching the gospel. And he says, this is my credentials as a minister. He says, for the Jews, five times I received 40 lashes minus one. <laughs> And the, the, when you read the Old Testament, the Bible instructs that you do not give people more than 40 lashes. And so the Jewish leaders usually just make sure that, they, not because they had mercy on the person, but they just want to give you 39 in case they miscounted so that it doesn't go beyond 40. And so they gave him 39 lashes. And so when you read the, um, in Deuteronomy, they are warned not to give people more than 40 lashes. And so when he says... 40 minus 1, they just want to make sure that they stay within <laughs> the, the law, what the law is instructing them to do, so that they will not be, they will not be breaking the law, <laughs> even though they are not treating somebody right. You see, that is the hypocrisy that Jesus Christ rebuked them of, that they were trying to keep the law. They didn't care about people. <laughs> they didn't love people. And that's why Jesus was not pleased with them. <laughs> he says that once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. This is Paul's credentials as a minister. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, in perils of in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in in perils among false brethren. In fact, we can take in all these things that Paul is mentioning and we can see examples of these things in the book of Acts. 
how Paul suffered in the hands of the Gentiles, suffered in the hands of the Jewish people, how Paul had the shipwreck and they, they almost died when Paul fasted for 14 days and he heard the voice of God. God said that he was going to save them from, from, the, um, from, the, ship, uh, from the shipwreck and from the destruction that was going. He was going to save the, the souls of the people, but they, their goods are going to be destroyed. So Paul went through all this and when you read the book of Acts, you can see all this. He says that, in sleeplessness often, in hunger, this time, this one is not fasting, but he's making it clear that sometimes he didn't have food to eat just because he chose to serve Jesus Christ, just because he decided to be an apostle and to be a minister. Sometimes he didn't have food. Sometimes he was thirsty. And then he makes it clear. So there's a difference between the, the days that he didn't have food to eat and the days that he didn't have water to drink and the days that he decided to fast. So Paul says, sometimes in hunger, sometimes in thirst, in fastings. And I wish I could just show verse 27 alone. He says, in fastings often. So Paul fasted. It was, it was something he did, he did at often times. He did that several times. He just, he just doesn't do it in the beginning of the year. It is good to fast in the beginning of the year. It is good to fast in the end of the year. But Paul says that in fastings, often. So Paul fasted often. It was his lifestyle. It was a life that he lived. It was an individual fast. This was a time that Paul himself has set aside time to fast. Seek the face of God. I just got shocked when I looked at the time. <laughs> Paul fasted often. So as believers, we have to fast. It has to be part of our lives. There are times that you individually set aside time and say that I want to wait on the Lord. I want to fast. Not only do you want to skip meals, but the time that you set aside to fast is a time that you engage yourself in spiritual exercise, like praying and like reading the Bible. That is the purpose of fasting. The other type of fasting that we can see from the Bible is the corporate fast, where a group of people come together to fast together. Sometimes a church will come together and announce fasting that we are seeking the face of God. We are fasting for a week. We are fasting for two weeks. We are fasting for three weeks. The church comes together as, a, as, as one body to fast. And we see several examples of that in the Bible. So you have the individual fast where you yourself set aside time. You don't always have to wait for your church to declare a fast. Sometimes you set aside time to fast on your own. As a matter of fact, Paul did that at often times. It was part of his life. One of the corporate examples of corporate fasting that we see in the Bible is when the Israelites fasted. When Haman decided to attack them in the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, the Bible says, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go and gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. And then he goes on to explain what the fast is about. Neither eat nor drink for three days. It made it very clear the type of fasting that they were going to have. No eating no drinking for three days. 
three nights or I'm sorry neither eat or drink for three days night or day my mate and I will fast likewise and so I will go to the king which is against the law and if I perish I perish some someone has said that those who always said in the Bible if I perish I perish they never perished because God always came through for them. It's when you take a stand for God, God will always come through for you. And so one of the examples of corporate fasting, and you know the results of this fasting when you read the book of Esther, God brought deliverance to the people of Israel. And on account of the deliverance that was brought to the people of Israel, many people converted to Judaism. Many people converted and became Jewish people because they saw that the God of the Jewish people was really a God that they had to serve. So they laid aside their idols and they served the God of the Jewish people. Another example of corporate fasting we see in the New Testament is in the book of Acts. The Bible says, now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menon, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So one of the ways that the church ministered to the Lord and they fast was, was through their fasting. They fasted. As they fasted, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. This is the early church. These are the people who walked with Jesus Christ. They heard the gospel preach. And this is one of the things they did in the early church. They fasted. I've heard people say that we don't have to fast in this dispensation, but that is not correct. That is not accurate according to scripture. We see that in the Bible, the church fasted. And Jesus Christ himself told his disciples that when the bridegroom is taken away, then the friends of the bridegroom will fast. He was telling, he was telling them about his disciples, that his disciples, somebody brought a question, why is it that the disciples of John fast and your disciples do not fast? He says they cannot fast when the bridegroom is still around with them. But when the bridegroom is taken away, then the friends of the bridegroom are going to fast. And so Jesus expects his followers to fast. And he has promised us that when we fast, He's going to reward us openly. There is an open reward for fasting. In the Old Testament, when, when Solomon launched um, the, 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 how, uh, um, the house of God, when he prayed, God responded. And this is what God said. If my people who are called by my name, this is a very popular scripture when we talk about fasting, when we talk about prayer. If my people who are called by my name who humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. God is saying, if my people who are called by my name will do these three things, will first of all, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, second, and turn from their wicked ways. So he says, if the people who are called by my name will do these three things, then I will also respond with these three things. He says, then I will hear from heaven, one, then I will forgive, two, and I will heal their land. And so God is saying, he has promised us that if we do these things, he's going to hear, he's going to forgive, 
and he's going to heal our lives. One of the ways in the Old Testament when they talk about humbling yourself before God was fasting. So when the Bible says, and he humbled himself before God, when you see that in the Old Testament, it meant the person is fasting at that time. So he says, when you humble yourselves before me and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear, I will forgive, and I'll heal. One of the things, I just want to make a quick point before we move on. Fasting became a lifestyle of the Jewish people. It became something that they did. It became part of them. Just, this is just a word of caution as we are talking about fasting. It became part of their lifestyle. And so they fasted every time. They had specific times that they were supposed to fast. And they observed it. So he says, this shall become a status forever for you. In the seventh month of the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your soul and do, and do no work at all. Whether a native of your country or a stranger who dwells among you, for that day, for on that day the priest shall make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be cleansed from your sins. So when the Bible tells them to inflict themselves, I'm sorry, the Bible tells them to afflict themselves, it was a time of fasting. And so the Jewish, the, 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 Jew, um, the Jews had a time specifically that they fasted. It was part of their lives or part of their program. But it got to a time the fasting became just something that they did. And they lost the true essence of the fasting. It just became part of they observing what God, observing the commandment without really paying attention to what they are doing. And sometimes... This has become the problem in a lot of places when we fast, in our churches when we fast. When the church um, declares a time of fasting, people fast, but they don't pay attention to what they are doing. It's just like what the Jewish people did. They were observing the law which required them to fast at a certain time of the year, but they were not paying attention of the spiritual significance of what they are doing. And sometimes if you don't take care, fasting becomes like that. That you fast and you starve yourself, you don't eat, but you forget or you don't pay attention to the spiritual significance of what you are doing. And so these guys were fasting, but they were not paying attention to the importance of what God, the, the reason why they were expected to fast. So in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 to 7, the Bible through prophet, God through prophet Isaiah said, Is this not the fast I have chosen? To lose the bonds of the wicked of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break the yoke. Is this not to share your bread with the hungry? And so these guys were fasting all right, but they were not sharing, they were not giving to the poor, they were not giving to people who were hungry. And God said, is this not the fast that I've chosen? He's saying that, listen, you, you, I expect you to share, to give, to show love, to demonstrate love to other people when you are fasting. It's not that you are just obeying the law, but if you are obeying the law and you don't care about other people, you are not doing anything. And God says that, and to bring, and that you bring to your, your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. So they had 
their brothers and sisters, the Jewish people, were in need and they were not providing their needs. They were not trying to meet their needs, but they would just go to God, consecrate themselves and fast. And God said, it's not a type of fasting that I'm expecting from you. But when you fast, you are supposed to love your neighbors. And he says that then, you, then your, your light shall break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go forth before you. The glory of God shall be your rare God. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. He's saying that if you, if you fast in this way by loving other people, it means that when you fast, do not... He, he warned them, when you read the whole chapter, he warned them that if somebody is working for you, do not deprive them of their wages. If your brother is hungry and you have food, you need to share with them. If your brother is naked and you have clothes, you need, so he, he's telling them that do not just come before me and try to please me with your hunger, but you have to walk in a way that demonstrates love to other people who are in need. He was reminding them of the spiritual significance of fasting. And so when we fast, we need to remind ourselves of the spiritual significance of why we are fasting. And that is to seek the face of God. It's not just to starve or to get hungry, but we want to seek the face of God when we fast. All right. I just want to touch quickly on the purpose of fasting. One, like I mentioned earlier, is to humble ourselves before God. We fast to humble ourselves before God. And in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, he says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. In fasting, we seek the face of God. Humble ourselves and seek his face. Turn from their wicked ways. I will hear one of the things that happens when Israel wants to repent is that they fast. So if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, one, will pray and will seek my face, two, and they will turn from their wicked ways, then I, the Lord, will also respond in three ways. One, I will hear from heaven. Two, I will forgive their sins. Three, and I will heal their land. In fasting, we humble ourselves before God. Fasting is also one of the ways. In fasting, we discover the will of God for our lives. When we fast, we discover the will of God for our lives. In the book of Acts, the Bible says they were ministering to God in prayer and fasting. And God says, separate for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work which I have called them. Separate for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them. So God called them to a certain work. As they were praying and fasting, they sought, seeking the face of God. God said, separate for me, Barnabas and Saul. In fasting, we are empowered to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives. One of the reasons why we fast, the purpose of fasting is we are empowered to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives. Before Jesus Christ set out in ministry, showing us an example of what we are supposed to do, he fasted for 40 days. The Bible says that then he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And the news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. And he taught in, the, in their synagogue being glorified by all. After Jesus Christ was, after Jesus Christ had fasted, he came to the synagogue and he preached. One of, the, one of the other reasons why we fast is
we subdue the flesh through fasting. When we fast, we subdue the flesh. We put the flesh under check when we fast. We subdue the flesh. Number six, the seed reason why we fast is we sharpen the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We sharpen the gift of the Holy Spirit when we fast. All of us have a gift that is deposited in us because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We sharpen those gifts through prayer and fasting. When we subdue the flesh and we set time aside and we seek the face of God. Seven, in fasting we focus on God more. We focus on God more. See, we can get busy with everything around us. And forget to set time aside to seek the face of God, to spend time with God, to fellowship with Him. In fasting, we can focus on God. If you, if you remember, Jesus Christ told His disciples, this type does not go except through prayer and fasting. And so Jesus Christ indicated, or you know, that scripture has, people have given several interpretations to that scripture. But one of the things that we can pick from that scripture without argument is that we know that there are situations that can be dealt with through prayer and fasting. There are so many different interpretations people have given. One of, but one of the lessons we can learn is one of the benefits of fasting is that there are things that we can deal with through prayer and fasting. And so I just want to quickly give examples of, so I, I just gave seven or maybe eight reasons why we fast. Um, just want to touch on types of fastings that we see in the Bible, and then we are going to close. Types of fastings that we see in the Bible. The first type of fasting, that, or one of the types of fastings that we see in the Bible is the absolute fast. The absolute fast is when you don't drink water and you don't eat food. That is the absolute fast. In Esther chapter 4, it says, Gather yourself and present yourself as you son, and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days. And so this is the type, this is an absolute fast. <laughs> Some people have tempted to, attempted to this type of fasting. But my, my um, advice is that this type of fasting do not, do not go beyond three days or beyond seven days. It will not, it's not really healthy for you. If you are led by the Spirit, <laughs> you can do as, as you are led. But three days without food and without water, seven days without food and without water, that is, um, that is a lot of um, burden on your body. But there is the absolute fast, and we see the absolute fast in the Bible. Moses was able to go through this type of fast because he was in the presence of God. He was in the presence of God, in the glory of God, and the presence of God filled him. The thing about fasting is that when you, you are in the presence of God, when you really make use of that fasting and spend time fellowshipping with God, God, you are strengthened. You receive the energy to be able to go through the fast. Your mind does not even go through, um, your mind does not even, the food does not even cross your mind because you are, you are engaged in spiritual exercise. So when you want to go through this type of fast, make sure that you have, you have, you have planned in a way that you are always going, you are going to do a lot of spiritual things. Fel spend time with God, have fellowship with God, and it will, it will help you through this fasting. The other fasting that we see in the Bible 
is when you fast with water. So you are drinking water, but you're not eating food. You are fasting and you are drinking water. The other type of fast we see, number three, is the daily fast, which is very popular. That is, you fast from morning to, um, to sunset. And that is a very popular one that um, we know. In Judges chapter 20, the Bible says, when the Israelites were going to fight against one of their own, the Benjamite, the Benjamite they fasted. The Bible says, then all the children of Israel, that is all the people who went up, came to the house of God and wept. And they sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And so that is the type of fast. Fasting, daily fast from morning to sunset. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12. And then and, and they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan. This is when they lost Saul and Jonathan. The Bible says they fasted from morning till evening for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. So when they lost Saul, King Saul and his son Jonathan in a battle, the Bible says they fasted from morning till evening. Now, the other type of fast we see in the Bible is the partial fast, where you eat certain type of foods and you fast away from certain type of foods. And we see this one in the book of Daniel. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food nor meat, nor wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three weeks, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So Daniel fasted, and even though he was eating, he said he did not eat pleasant food, nor meat, nor wine. So he, this is the type, this is the partial fast, where you fast from certain types of food. And you set your, like I said earlier, the purpose of fasting is to seek the face of God, set time aside to pray and to read your Bible and to sp spend time having fellowship with God. Fasting has a great benefit for us. It's one of the disciplines that we must observe as Christians. It has to be part of our lives. This year, as we, we are determined to pursue Christ, one of the ways or one of the things that has to be part of our life is fasting. I know that in the beginning of the year, we did not declare fast, but I wanted to teach this first so that we can together as an assembly fast. And you can do any of the three, any of the four fastings that I have mentioned here. Some people, you can do any of the four fastings, the partial fast, the daily fast, fasting with water or absolute fast. You can do any of the three. It is accepted before God. What you have to do is spend time praying, spend time reading the Bible when you're fasting, spend time meditating on the Word of God so that you can enjoy the full benefits of fasting. And so as believers, let's not say that grace has set us free and so we are not so I've heard somebody say, say on radio that because we are in the new dispensation, we are not supposed to fast. 
but it is important that we fast. God will empower us. He will reward us as we fast. And so this is the first installment on Christian disciplines that I want to preach about. We will take another installment. We will take another discipline, Christian discipline, in two weeks' time, and then we will discuss that one as well. God bless you, and thank you so much for coming to church. Shall we pray? Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, O oh God, as we are gathered, as we have heard your word. We pray, Lord, that you empower us. Grant us the grace to be able to walk in this word, in obedience to your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you charge us in our spirit, Lord, that you strengthen us to be able to wait on you, to seek your face in fastings, in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that fasting will become part of our lifestyles, in Jesus' mighty name, that we will reap the benefit and the rewards that is promised in the Bible concerning fasting. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen.